0: Thanks for tuning in to the 168 Podcast, a podcast from Mitchell Knight and Jordan Byrd of the Clarence Church of Christ, aimed at helping you connect Sunday worship with everyday life. Hi everybody, welcome back to the 168 Podcast. Today, in the spirit of thanksgiving, we're going to be talking about gratitude and why it's helpful in our relationships with God, and we'll be giving you our most controversial Thanksgiving hot takes. Jordan.
1: All right. Thanks, Mitch. Yeah. As Mitch said, we're going to talk about gratitude and yeah, cause it being, it's being close to Thanksgiving here in a couple of weeks. And I think Mitch and I are on the same page that we both like the Thanksgiving time of year. It's one of our favorites of the, the holiday variety. And uh, yeah, so yeah in that sphere we're going to talk about gratitude and i think also i like thanksgiving because my birthday usually revolves within a few days of thanksgiving so it's always like it's always an occasion in my life so but we're here to talk about not being selfish ultimately with gratitude so i won't make it about me anyway just had to mention it's it's around that time but that is one of the reasons why i do like thanksgiving but I do, and generally it's just because of food. Really, that's that's ultimately I think the reason I like it. It, it, it involves food. Not that other days don't involve food, but it's very much about the food. It's really not Good food. The, the day if it's not the there's no food there. But yeah, we're gonna talk about gratitude because ultimately that's what the whole Thanksgiving day, at least in the United States, revolves around historically of uh, the pilgrims giving thanks to God for what they've been they were given in surviving their first moments here in what we now know as the United States. And Mitch, why don't you start us off with just your general thoughts of on the idea of gratitude and yeah, just how you understand it and just some thoughts surrounding that.
0: Yeah, I think um, we were talking before we started recording and I think I'm going to foreshadow some of what we're going to talk about and I don't want to exhaust too much of it. So we actually have a podcast um, but for me, um, gratitude is tied to contentment, uh, and when you're grateful, what you have is already enough. There isn't a void, there isn't a lack, there isn't a wanting, there's already an understanding that you've been given a lot, and that in that spirit of positivity, it kind of grounds us in who God is, the the giver of heavenly gifts, the father of heavenly lights, and so on and so, so forth that's just kind of my opening thoughts on it, but
1: yeah, the idea of contentment, I think is very much as I think our conversation will bear out about or connected to gratitude, contentment and gratitude, are, you know, hands holding each other, if you will, or the the hand in the glove kind of a thing. Uh, you touched on it there just a moment at the end of your comment about life being a gift. And I think from the, the studying I've done on the the concept of gratitude, the idea of, life as a gift is very much at the heart of what uh, of fostering a, gra- a grateful attitude in one's life and from the perspective of a father of jesus it's very much about going back to the reality that all of life is a gift that god has graced to to us um, just at the very core of it in the sense that he's gifted us life like if if he doesn't take initiative in in us being created into the world in which he's made we don't exist. Like we are all dependent on God's taking that action in our direction. And so we are in some ways you could say like indebted, but it's like, it's, it's something that has been gifted to us. Like we, and it's out of being gifted that, that a gra- attitude of gratitude comes out of that, that dynamic, that relationship, if you will, Mitch is laughing <laughs> because I was hearkening back to the song that our little kids at church are, uh, hearing every Sunday with the orange curriculum that we use, where they talk about the attitude of gratitude and the whole song is about the attitude of gratitude. (laughs) And so, yeah, um, the attitude that we have that, that ends up being grateful is very much shaped out of a perspective of life that life is gifted to each of us. It's not something we earn or that we make happen on our own or that we, that we fashion. It's, it's always something that's gifted to us. And it's out of that perspective that it shapes how we interact with the world as well. It shapes that we have an awareness that there's more than just ourself in the world. And this happens from two different angles, if you will. One is there's more than, than just us and that there is also God because we are dependent on God as creatures who um, are made in his image. But it also impacts our awareness that we are not the only people within the created realm, that there's more than myself. There are other people around me. And so it's on one hand, it's a worship issue because if we're, if we just cut out the fact that God is present in life and that we aren't dependent or in need of anyone else to have benefited us to have life, then there's no reason to worship because there's no one else there to have to pay attention to. But, when we realize that we are dependent on the provision that God has given us to, to have life, then it becomes a worship issue because we, we offer our gratitude to God. We, we want to be thankful for all that he has blessed and given into our life. And it also becomes an ethical issue when it comes to how you relate to others. Because if we become aware now that it's not just our own self, but there there's others around us, then it impacts how, we deal with each other whether we're going to be selfish or selfless and ultimately that gets back to the concept of being content Uh, do i need to have more than another to to feel like i'm living life to the full or can i have less than another and still feel content uh in the in in life that in the life that i have to feel full with life and so yeah contentment and, and gratitude have again go very much hand in hand if you will Uh, Mitch, why don't you kind of move us uh, a little bit further, unless you have some follow-up comments to to stuff I shared. Uh, You, I think, wanted to talk about contentment and gratitude and how that kind of intersects with anxiety. So the floor is yours.
0: Yeah, just to piggyback on what Jordan said about um, the awareness of the fact that life is a gift. I mean, kind of like one of the taglines we came up with in our pre-conversations for the podcast was that gratitude doesn't exist in the absence of grace. I mean, and gratitude is a very powerful emotion and posture for our heart that's only dependent on our awareness of our circumstances. If we take time and we're patient and we observe the gifts that we've been given, then gratefulness functions in a way that breaks this perpetual cycle of wanting that we have in our lives. I mean, there's so many things we can covet and want after, uh, and then when we get that thing, it's not enough, and we need to get something else, or we desire after something else, and when we get that, that's not enough, we need to get something else. But gratefulness is a moment in time where out of our patience and our recognition for our circumstances, we become aware of the fact that, well, I've been given all this great stuff. And it's not just about the stuff, it's about the giver of that stuff. It's about the fact that I have a relationship with that person. And then the satisfaction that comes from that breaks that cycle of wanting and that never ending lust, you know, for something new. So that was just my piggyback on that. When it comes to contentment and anxiety, most of us have heard the verse probably a million times, whether it be online you know, during sermons, you know, prayer segments in church or something like that. But Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7, where it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It says, with thanksgiving. And I think part of the reason that the peace of God guards our heart is because we are praying in the posture of thanksgiving when you're aware of the resume of God and what he's already done for you, it's easy to imagine that he will show up for you again in a similar way to the way he has in the past. And I think that's part of the reason why gratefulness combats anxiety because there's already, like, like I said, there's a person tied to the other end of the given gift. There's a person who has gone to work for you and has proven his love for you, and then out of that prayerfulness in thanksgiving, you're confident that he's going to show up and do it again. So th- those are just some of my thoughts on the contentment and anxiety stuff. Did you have anything you wanted to add to that?
1: Yeah, your comment about prayer and the posture of thanksgiving, and I echo your your point about ultimately it's a trust in who God is, that He is the provider of all things, which again goes back to the idea that like all of life is a gift from God. Like it all goes back to Him um, in the beginning. I mean, it, it all revolves around Him. Without Him, nothing we know of life. <laughs> Is here Like it's, it's all a gift. And the temptation in our Western culture is to very much view things from a very individualistic mindset or very much from the, like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality of like, it's all because of what you have done. And I don't know that any of us probably really set out to like, think that we act that way because I'm guessing we all can easily start to reflect on like, Oh, but I've, I've been a beneficiary of my parents or, you know, you start naming the thing. Like I don't think our ambition probably is to feel like we're entitled or not entitled, but that we have contributed to the end. all be all of our life. But that mindset is very much swirling around us each and every day and the messages we hear and see and, and the way things are done in life, like if you don't make it happen, it's not going to happen. Like it's very much up to you and you only, and that's very much an attitude that's contrary to one in which life is a gift or that you're a recipient from from someone else helping you along the way, if you will. Which this could even harken to just as followers of Jesus, the fact that we have the Helper, <laughs> the Holy Spirit, in our life. Like our whole relationship with Jesus is bound to this reality that we are recognizing we're in constant and never ending need from God. And I don't know that I ever really connected all that till just kind of thinking about that right now, but it's very much true. Like the following Jesus is like a constant acknowledgement that I need him all the time. I need God all the time. Without him, I am nothing. And the Holy Spirit being the helper just reaffirms that all the more. But your comment about prayer and the posture of Thanksgiving, Norman Wurzba, who's a theologian who's at Duke University currently, he's wrote a couple different things. Uh, One is living the Sabbath, and another is uh, food and faith, and which may, the food and faith one for most people may be like that sounds like a boring book. Like what's that about? And very much the whole thing is about thinking about ecology on one hand, but it's a lot of the book has a lot to do with thinking about life and death and thinking about what life is. And so he hearkens back to a lot of these concepts of how like all of life is a gift from God. And he connects that to food in the sense of how as followers of Jesus, we Eat food or we participate with food in the sense that we most of us have been trained in giving thanks to God for that food and that that very act of giving thanks like prepares us to be able to receive what we're about to have but it also shapes us in the in the broader sense of life and so he talks about praying for our food or being grateful for our food from it's a moment where we get to pause and it's a moment when we pause like that, that it's, it shapes us to be aware that this isn't the, what we're about to do is not just of ourselves. We benefit from a variety of people to have this moment. And so he talks about including in a prayer, like most of us might just, you know, have some form of generality of like, like with my family, we're like, uh, thank you, Jesus for this food. You send me food. Amen. My kids do amen, like the sign language thing. But, um, that's the shortened version we do with our kids, but you know, the, there's the variety of like, you know, bless this food we're about to eat all, you know, just the general things that we've come become accustomed to when it comes to praying for our food. And Norman Wurzba encourages the concept of pray or, or give thanks for like the details of what you're about to ha- to eat. And so he talks about like offer gratitude for the colors that you get to engage with when you eat your food. It's not just all brown there's green, there's red. Sometimes there's yellow, there's like purple. There's all these colors we get to engage with in life in our, the food that we eat. He says, you know, give thanks for like the, the taste of it. I mean, which we might just kind of take for granted, but like in the age of COVID when people haven't been able to taste or smell stuff, like that's a whole new reality. Um, if you've had COVID and, that you're like, Oh, like, like I enjoy being able to, if your smell or taste has come back, like I enjoy being able to taste or smell. Um, but just being thankful for the variety of things that go into it. I mean, he even goes out as far as like, you know, thinking about who sold the the produce to the grocery store, who grew the produce for, from the grocery store, who, which farmer had to put wisdom toward how they used water and, uh, nutrients or raising cattle to help with the, the nutrition of the soil, like all those things, like you start going further and further and further and further out where you then start to see that it's not just me. Like I'm interconnected to like a variety of people just in this one plate of food that I'm eating. And his whole point is like, it start, once you start down that path, you start to realize how interconnected you are to the rest of life, that you are the recipient of a lot of other people, ultimately God, you know, making that all possible. And, I mean, you can get down to things like, you know, the fact that like our taste buds work and the fact that your brain computes that. I mean, you can just start going down a list. You could start listing thing after thing after thing after thing. I mean, at some point, if you want to eat, you got to like stop. But his whole point is like, it, it's a gateway into realizing how much of life is a gift. But that moment shapes and molds us to realize that we are not the only people. There are others involved here, and so it, it then becomes like a worship issue in our relationship with God, and it also becomes an ethical issue in how we engage with with the rest of the world around us. And so those are some things that definitely stick out to like when you're saying like prayer in the posture of thanksgiving, because like when we eat, especially, but I mean that can take place in in other ways too. When we, there's always a moment to be thankful for something. Like if there's breath going in our lungs, like we have something to be thankful for. Is everything else great and awesome no I'm not saying that's always the case either but there are things to be grateful for and the gratitude doesn't have to stop just because other things are crummy necessarily I think that's kind of partly what we're getting to but that's where contentment comes in right like I can be content with where I am it doesn't mean everything's hunky-dory or like I would maybe aspire for it to be better but I'm o- I'm okay and part of it's a perspective of like I'm entrusting myself to the one I know who ultimately can care for me and that's God do you want to add anything further to that?
0: Yeah, I think what you were getting at with um tying the plate of food to a bunch of different people and interactions, I was gonna bring up something similar in terms of how gratefulness combats our attitude of like being materialistic or that kind of thing. Because people will justify like, Oh no, I, I earned this money, I went to work for it. Okay. It's like, Well, who gave you the job? It's like then after that, oh there's my cat once again. <laughs> It's okay. It was his tail. Um, it's like, who gave you the job? All right. Who gave that person their job? Who made the company? Who, you know, built the headquarters for the company who made the people? Like, I mean, that's ultimately where it gets to, right? Everything is tethered back to the fact that it's a gift given from God. And there's my cat again. And, um, you know, in that posture, it helps you get out of yourself and kind of eliminate, the urge to think that you're kind of in control of everything and that you know there's a freedom that comes from realizing that you're not and that it's been given to you. I'm reminded of uh, one person that I um I've looked up to most of my life, kind of as like a pseudo celebrity who um very much professes his Christian faith and he has an alarm on his phone every day and then 12 p.m. when it goes off he takes moment he takes a time in meditation and prayer just to get into the posture of gratefulness. He focuses like on his breath and the fact that, you know, it's like I didn't make this, like I didn't make this breath. The fact that I am able to do this is because the air has been given to me. I'm in this body. Yes, it's in a fallen world, but I I think those moments, you know, whether it's food or maybe to the extreme of like setting an alarm on your phone are helpful for getting you in that kind of mentality of the fact that, You didn't earn anything, and that's not like to put anybody down. That's actually a a freeing thought, which is nice and kind of opposite to how we think about things and you know the materialism of uh, humanity for sure.
1: Yeah. So I think to kind of wrap up our conversation, I would encourage those viewing and listening to, as I mean, to just to think about the concept of giving thanks as not just being this practice that our Western American culture does every November. But as followers of Jesus, we actually have more routine avenues to, to give thanks. And one of those is every Sunday, essentially like, especially like when we take communion, like it's, it's one moment where we get to offer thanks. That's what the term Eucharist actually uh, harkens back to. Not all Um, churches use that language per se, but the idea of celebrating the Eucharist is the idea of giving thanks for for what we are a part of and what God through Jesus has brought us into and in his life that we get to participate in and in the eternal life that he offers to us and the hope that we have. And so Sunday is a routine way or avenue we have of giving thanks each and every week. But as we've already mentioned, like our meal times or the other times that we pray are very much times that we can be in the posture of thankfulness and allow that to shape gratitude and contentment in our life each and every day. Uh, you know, as Paul says, you know, pray without ceasing. Like it's something we can be grateful for all the time. Like just simply like driving down the road, like, thank you that, you know, the laws of physics and all these different things like are constants. Cause if not, like half of the life we have, like just wouldn't even be possible. But like, God maintains that stuff in in and out each and every day, and we get to be benefits of that grace. I mean, that's just maybe a simplistic way of thinking about it, but there's constantly things like that that we can just pause and be grateful for in, in that way. So as Mitch said at the beginning, we're going to uh, give our... Uh, thanksgiving takes but first we're going to just simply share our our thanksgiving plans uh coming up here and i'll share mine first our our plan is to go to to my side of the family and and uh enjoy thanksgiving the thanksgiving meal with them so we look forward to doing that here next week already i guess it is not where's my calendar here uh yeah it's already next week i keep thinking it's like more like a couple a couple weeks away but it's now next week So, yeah, looking forward to that. Mitch, what will you be doing for Thanksgiving?
0: Uh, Well, my sister will be in town from Georgia, and it will be just my mom, her, and myself at my mother's house around the dining room table. We'll have uh, lots of good food, and, uh, yeah, those are my plans. And now it's time for our new segment, The 168 Debate. We (laughs) The 168 Debate, where we give you our spiciest, controversial opinions on all sorts of topics, ranging from Thanksgiving food to the NFL.
1: <laughs> we, we got to throw <laughs> the NFL in there, yeah. I, the NFL is part of Thanksgiving, so I guess it works.
0: That's so. true. Yeah, we're playing on Thanksgiving. Yeah, so oh, no. it's kind of hard to avoid <laughs> it here. But
1: um, So yeah, we have three different questions that we're going to uh, give our, as Mitch says, spicy takes on. <laughs> so the first question is, is this, is it heresy or wrong to not have turkey in your Thanksgiving dinner? What is your take on that, Mitch?
0: Well, I guess for me, the the first question I would have to ask in response to that is, what are people using to replace the turkey with? Like ham? Like
1: turkey bacon? Is that like...
0: Turkey bacon, wow.
1: I mean... Is that like the substitute you're I almost, Has I almost... to have turkey in it or like... Okay, anyway, continue. Wow, I almost wanted it's, to vomit. Just has to, it just has to be meat of some sort.
0: No, I was going to say, I think it's pretty heretical, for sure. I think it's horribly wrong. I mean, that's the whole point. I mean, when you think of Thanksgiving, you hear the word turkey. Even if just have the turkey there for display, and if you don't want it, don't eat it. If none of you want it, I see that I have a hard time with that. Like, if your extended family is coming and stuff like that, someone's going to eat a piece of turkey. Come on. If you don't want to have the turkey, Put it out there. Be gracious. You know, here's your turkey. Here's your piece of horrible pu- poultry. You know, I don't want to have it, but I think it's wrong. I think you got to have turkey, even if it's just a display turkey.
1: Display turkeys. Do so you have your like a waxed turkey, like for a display in a store that you just pull out every Thanksgiving and have? Got to, got to be something. Just for a nostalgia sake in general. Yeah, I think in general, like if you want to keep within the American history, at least, like, that definitely seems like it fits. Although, I don't think, to me, the heart, or the soul, or the the spirit, if you will, I guess, the spirit of the day, in keeping with our whole giving gratitude mentality, I don't think t- Turkey has to be there. My family, I would say, like, I grew up with there being Turkey, but, like, I, I also don't remember maybe I just have a faulty memory here, but I don't remember it being like a, we had like a whole Turkey kind of thing all the time. It was like, we had Turkey, but it wasn't like, it was like this major thing for the table. It was just sort of there in some form or fashion. I think my, my grandma on my dad's side, for sure. I think generally used to do a Turkey. I know I did it one year for, for our family, which was just the whole thing in and of itself to do it. But we actually did like just, part of a turkey one year like where it was just like already like pre-sliced meat or something not like lunch meat or something but like <laughs> like a turkey breast like there's hillshire farm yeah <laughs> no no it wasn't that kind of thing but like you know okay there was turkey there but it wasn't like you had to do the whole rigmarole to have turkey there so it's kind of in like what you're talking about but i'm probably far more of like a I mean, I do like ham and that kind of stuff. So, like, I like if I had to choose my meat of, like, a dinner, like, I would probably default more to something like that. Although, I'm also more of a dark meat person. So, like, if I can at least get the dark meat of the turkey, then I'm good. To me, like, the white meats is so super dry, and which is your whole dry and not dry conversation we thought would have. But anyway, so, yeah, I don't think it's, like, you can still celebrate Thanksgiving if you don't have it. But... It's more like what what do you want? Do you want to have the nostalgia of the history with it or does that not really matter? I think that's kind of where I come down. All right, our second question is what are what are our must-haves on Thanksgiving? Like what food do you have to have there for it to be what you consider the Thanksgiving dinner?
0: Uh for me, I I would say, you know, outside of the turkey would be stuffing, mashed potatoes for sure. And then I would probably be general on the third and say probably some kind of green vegetable. And a lot of people would just do green beans, like by themselves. Some people do casserole, which we've talked about before. Some people hate casserole, but I'd say like prob- probably green beans as a vegetable. But I've seen people do asparagus and stuff like that, and I think that's fine. Some kind of vegetable, but
1: this question is probably already faulty from the beginning because there's like already more than one you have to have for. It. <laughs> generally to be the Thanksgiving dinner. But I would definitely say like mashed potatoes are one I think of. Like, I guess more as like a, a side kind of thing. Like Turkey is almost like the given or like a meat is a given. And I feel like pumpkin pie is like, that's almost like a given to some degree too. But mashed potatoes, I think like, I'm not sure like what a substitute for that would be. Like there just isn't really, but at least for me, there's not. So that, that's definitely gotta be there. All right, our third question is Should Christmas stuff start before or after Thanksgiving?
0: After Thanksgiving. I was, I, okay, I was very persuaded when I saw that Jordan's wife Julia had already put up the tree, looked very pretty, but I, I couldn't bring myself to do it. And that's because, again, we're rushing to the next thing we want and not pausing out of gratitude for what we already have which is a perfectly fine and applicable holiday to those of us who are willing to pause and give thanks and i'm not saying <laughs> i'm not saying julia doesn't do that that's not what i mean but i'm saying there are some people out there that i'm sure feel like that and i'm not one of them so
1: so I would approach this from it's already the questions are already screwy loaded. from just the the way the Amer- our american culture has you know just the economics of it like the whole black friday thing has just is what's made it a whole the whole christmas thing bump up that far to start with if you will like historically I mean, if you look at just the whole 12 days of christmas theme in general christmas isn't supposed to start for a long time after uh, just the very end of November. It, I mean, it's it's there's twelve days of Christmas if you want to think about it from a historical standpoint, and that's really not till like right up till Christmas. And so from that end, like the whole like already back to Black Friday thing is already kind of flawed. But I'm the sucker also for like the Christmas stuff, so I do appreciate the Christmas stuff, and I'm okay if it's like I don't know. To me, like Thanksgiving and Christmas is almost like this two month long like thing anyway like it's a season like we call it a season but we 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 call it a season but then we only focus on like one day or you know if you want to say thanksgivings within there but like if it's a season then it's a who cares if it's before after thanksgiving it's a whole thing although my thing at least within our household is i advocate that we only have or as close as i can advocate (laughs) mostly greenery before thanksgiving and then the ornaments and all the like christmas specific stuff can come up after that that's that's what i've advocated for that line gets blurred here and there but that's that's my take at least
0: any last hot takes that you have
1: (laughs) what last hot take do you have
0: i have one i have one that's gonna make some people really mad gravy is trash and if you like it you're living a lie i think i okay anything that Anything that looks disgusting on a visual level, I refuse to eat. It's why I do not eat guacamole, okay? Guacamole does not look appetizing. If you think it does, it's only because the taste of it has persuaded your eyes to look at it like an oasis in the desert. I do not eat it because it looks like slop. I do not have gravy because it looks like mud water, and I don't want it on my ash potatoes. When I could have butter or something else.
1: Butter is a very similar substance. No,
0: it's not. Butter is golden. fat. It melts. Fat. It, melts. it melts golden. It's like, it's so good.
1: yield fat, I should say. It's the same dynamic. Anyway, I disagree with you. Gravy is great. It is not the best thing to warm up. I will say it's not in that category. It's like iffy at best if you warm it up. But I think gravy, oh, no, no, no. I don't know what you're going to do here, but no, this is no gravy, gravy. You're giving gravy a bad rap. I did see a thing when you talked about guacamole. I saw something online yesterday or the day before and someone had a, like a meme, I guess of saying like, don't, don't lower yourself to chips and salsa. Cause it's always free, but guac actually costs something. And so guac is like on a higher quality. That's why you have to pay for it usually. Whereas chips and salsa is free when you go to the, free you still have to pay for the meal usually but like free with your uh mexican restaurant dinner yeah anyway it made me think of that but <laughs> well that was definitely uh a last hot take for sure but i disagree with you so we're on different sides of that one but anyway thank you everybody for joining us for the 168 podcast and this is episode 10 we've made it 10 episodes into uh this podcast so if you've listened or, or watched this many episodes in, thank you for, for doing so and taking the time to, uh, hear the things that, that we reflect on and, and take time to think about. And hopefully it's helped you engage, uh, with God and with, um, others, um, in a productive and healthy way as a follower of Jesus as well. So thanks for joining us.
0: Bye everybody.